Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, we record this at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday. And you can watch us live on WP Tonic's Facebook page at, like I say, 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time every Friday. And it's episode 314. Got a great panel here. Uh, um, hopefully I'm not going to bore them too much. I've got a feeling this is going to be a lively one. Uh, um, John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? My name's John Locke. My business is Lockdown Design. And like I said, we do SEO for manufacturing firms. That's great. Spencer, would you quickly like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. Hey, it's Spence, Spencer Foreman I'm from WP Launchify. We basically help uh, WordPress site owners who do membership and training for marketing automation with WordPress. That's great. And Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Sally Getch. I'm the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup, and I'm also the WP Fangirl. I uh, <clears throat> build uh, clients' websites that are business solutions and not just pretty. Are the fat cats going to be joining us? Uh, well, I think they're still finishing their breakfast. Oh, right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I will not be surprised if BC yeah. makes an appearance. She, she's made photo bomb every, every call I've had this week. All right. If they work, if they were working for Facebook, they'd be a lot thinner this week, wouldn't they? Uh, <laughs> right, right, um, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris Badgett, the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a tool for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast, and I'm the organizer of WordCamp Portland in Maine, which is happening on November 3rd. Well, that's great, and it's a great podcast. Let's go straight into the stories panel. Um, Google Chrome rose out not secure warning for plain HTTP sites. Would you like to start with this, John? Yeah, so Google has been trying to push people toward HTTPS for a long time. And uh, just a few days ago, in Google Chrome, if you're browsing a site and it's HTTP, uh, you'll see in the address bar where you you know type in the website that you're going to, you'll see a message that says this site is not secure. Um, that's, that's nice of them, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice of them. I mean, really, there's not a lot of reason to not have HTTPS, especially with so many of the WordPress hosts uh, already have, you know, an ongoing relationship with Let's Encrypt. Um, you know, if you're on GoDaddy, you got to buy their SSL. But uh, I think they have a, I think they have an included one for for some of the new hosted WordPress plans, okay. like with their Pro Plan or something. Yeah. Since Mendel isn't here to defend himself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's basically, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, like a, a few years ago, they also, you know, said if two sites were equally uh, good, then HTTPS would be kind of a tiebreaker when it comes to SEO. But, you know, a, a lot of people didn't get that nudge. You know, perhaps this is just their way of trying to move stuff forward. I think what this article was saying was, 
it's because they're trying to push progressive web apps and those require HTTPS as well. That might be part of the reasoning as well. Do they? Yeah. What do you reckon, Spencer? Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan whenever Google or Chrome forces something on you. But in this case, I kind of take the like, really, people? I mean, is there any reason you haven't gotten one of those free SSL certificates on your website by now? So I'm kind of in favor of like, push everybody over the cliff and let's get it over with already. Because I mean, this reminds me of the, the Microsoft Internet Explorer, does it work with, do I have to support it argument? Like how long is somebody going to be using Windows 95 in the 21st century, right? So if you haven't, if you haven't added a free SSL. I, I've certificate, seen some, you know, banks and places that appear to still be on XP. The problem is, and Sally brings up, I was going to say the same thing you brought up, is that the problem is the exceptions always go to the bigger companies that have the money to fix the problem, but they always get a pass because I was at, I was on a bank site recently. No, I won't name it, but like literally (laughs) websites, not working HTTP in a banking website. And I'm thinking right off the bat, like, Really? Where's the priority at? But as far as for most you people... you sure he wasn't like, a redirection to some friends in Russia? Whatever. I mean, you know, I gave him the whole... I gave him my credit card. I gave him my, you know, I, my drivers. I gave him everything I thought that would help him, but I was hoping... <laughs> to, oh, well, there you go. Like you do, don't you? You know, they need... <laughs> Free credit fix. Go to the Russian hack website. all those Facebook efforts. They probably yeah, maybe they'll do better with my credit. Yeah, you never know. You could probably support the whole of Russia. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Chris, what do you think to say about this? I just have one quick thought, which is for technical people like us, we get the HTTPS thing, but I think this is really something that the hosting industry should just adopt and just include as part of the package. And if you want to like remove it, you can, but forcing everyday, the average website builder to like set it up, even though it may be easy for a technical person, uh, there's just a lot of friction there that's unnecessary and the hosting company should lead with that. And some of them are. Yeah, some of them now ha- install it by default and there are uh, things that you need it for uh, and, you know, besides just security. And, you know, my clients certainly understand that that if you don't, when I explain that if you don't have it, that anybody who fills out your contact form is sending their information, you know, un- unencrypted in, in a way that it could be stolen and, then that this is not good. Um, all right, I think we go on to the next one. Um, yeah, I, I think you should all go type in uh, ca.gov. Uh, this was one of the sites listed that doesn't have a redirect uh, set up to HTTPS. So, so the California government website does have HTTPS, but instead of having uh, a, a, you know a, a, a redirect that just points you to the HTTPS site, they've got this little lock in the uh, top margin that bounces up and down to get your attention when you land on the page. And, and, and if you hover over it, it says access secure site. And then you click it and it takes you to the HTTPS site. And I'm like, so who thought that was easier than setting up a 301? Well, I'm not that surprised being the governor's too busy trying to make his wife a supreme judge of California. Yeah. Oh, dear. I, I want to I throw something in, though, but because I see that CA.gov, I want to say the same thing applies to the WWW. I mean, I'll take Chris's suggestion. I think why is it that we have not just completely eliminated at the server level, WWW showing up anywhere? I mean, do we really need to do 
World Wide Web, because more often than not in my clients' WordPress setups, if they don't obviously, you know, set up the DNS to cover the wildcard of www, they will end up with, you know, a misdirection or a warning sign. So throw that in that same bundle. Can we just get this over with? And, you know, maybe we'll talk about the other stuff with SMTP another time, but SMTP from the native server, sometimes it works, sometimes, like those three things come up all day long, every day. Why don't we just handle them at every root level server? Yep. I totally agree. Rant over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, um, On to the next one. Um, Facebook just learned the true cost of fixing problems. Um, Let's start with Spencer. What did you think of this one? It's interesting how long the investors have allowed things to be the de facto behavior. For example, I'm a capitalist at my heart. You were talking before about your last week's show and stuff, but I would say that's my philosophy, religious belief is capitalism. However, when you talk about certain stock-owned companies versus independent, it's amazing how long the stock shareholders direct what companies do versus what a company would do if it was an entrepreneur, solopreneur, kind of, you know, privately owned company. So to my mind's eye, this is really just an example of how you're going to get, can I say bitch slapped, but you're going to get slapped in the face by somebody sometime. And in this case, it was like the investors realized that we can't be doing the same stuff because ultimately the company's going to lose value and everybody's going to abandon ship. I want to make a point as well. I have teenagers and younger. If you try to ask anybody who's under, I mean, I'm 51, anybody who's under like, I think 30 something, do they use Facebook? I mean, you'll be met with a guffaw or a, you got to be well, kidding. Well, of course not. Their parents the, are there. They're gone. I mean, you can't like maybe a placeholder, uh, you know, gray ghost image. So I don't know what they're going to do because if well, they, they are on there, but they're on Instagram. I mean, who, who's, they're on Instagram. Who's Right. So I, I think it's important that whatever they pivot to or whatever, it can't be based upon more kids coming in. And this is, this is going to be a tough one. What do you reckon, Chris? There were a couple of interesting stats in there. One of them was that I think it said 97% of U.S. adults are on Facebook, 90% of European adults. So the, it's like there's no more. The addressable market has been addressed. But as a side note to cleaning up fake news, I just heard today that um, YouTube uh, took down Alex Jones's site. This is the InfoWars guy, the uh, coast to coast, you know, pre-internet. If I was driving across the country in the middle of the night, heading up to Alaska or whatever, I'll listen to Alex Jones and the aliens are coming, the Illuminati and the reptilian people. But what is the cost to clean all this up? I mean, even when I was a kid, we have like The Onion, The Inquirer. There's all this fake news as a part of culture and entertainment, I guess. Well, yes, but but, but that's clearly, I mean, first, everybody knows Alex Jones is a nutter. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, but he isn't. You know, that, the that's, that, that's the it's, thing, Sally. He isn't mad. Well, not, not entirely, but anyway, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, there's a big difference between stuff that's well-established as being entertainment, uh, iffy, exaggerated, parody, uh, whatever, and stuff that, that is, you know, uh, making a pretense of, of being uh, serious and accurate, but isn't. I think it's just really hard to clean up, though, because 
I mean, who's going to do that job? And if these platforms like Facebook and WordPress and YouTube are designed to democratize publishing where anybody can put anything up there, that's kind of how it is. Yet there's a standard. I mean, okay, you don't want a certain kind of like violence on there, you know, so that of course can be taken down. But defining fake news, I think, has turned out to be a lot harder to pinpoint than it sounds. Well, my position- most people have concluded that fake news is anything they don't agree with. But, uh, you know, it, it, I, I certainly don't feel sorry for, uh, for Facebook that they are uh, losing money. But yes, it is a very difficult problem is, well, where, where do you draw the line? And, uh, you know, if people want to, to uh, say crazy things, uh, then... You know, insofar as it's not death threats and and other criminal acts, to a degree they should be permitted that. But, you know, deliberately deceptive practice, you know, if, if, if you believe the aliens are coming and you're on YouTube saying the aliens are coming, that is an honest presentation. But if you know that, something is not true, but you're putting out something that says, oh, this is true, so-and-so did whatever, uh, then, uh, you know, that, that's defamation. After thinking what Moulton said la- last week, um, I was thinking about it and then exploded this, one of the worst examples of what we're talking about that's recently exploded, and it's around... Alexandra Cotez, um, who's a female Democrat that got elected um, to Congress a, a couple of months ago. Um, on huge, on Facebook, there's a so-called interview um, done seemingly with Alexandra Cotez with a woman called um, Beth Stuckey. Um but there never was an interview. Basically, they took a previous interview of Alexander and heavily edited with... Um, Deep fakes. So, so the whole thing is a fake and um, the company that produced this um, rather nasty piece of propaganda... Um, said it was a or a joke, and you know um, anybody that criticises it uh, hasn't got a sense of humour. But the truth is, there was nothing very funny about the thing at all. It was just a, um, a hit job, basically. So, but the whole it makes so it's changed my attitude a bit because, but it's extremely difficult. The only way I could, in a positive way, that. I still wouldn't ban it, but I think Facebook, Twitter, and other platforms, they do need to have kind of some editing, editor voice, and maybe a way, you know, obviously you ban the most violent, vile um, stuff, but stuff like this, you really need editing notes, you know, in big... What's the difference between an editor and a censor? Well, it's still up there, but uh, the um, Facebook says this is do- this is do- dodgy. You know, this you it's know, flagged. It's flagged. You need to read the comments, 
and come to your own conclusion. That otherwise, you start banning everything, which um, which they would be entitled to do. Uh, you know, it's it's like well, if you're you're playing in their playground, they can have rules, and you may not like them. And uh, you know, Facebook is not a public utility. Um, and, but uh, at the same time, yes, it does, you know, it, it can be very problematic. Who is making the judgment calls about you know, yeah, the, the only thing what's I, acceptable? The only reason I bring this up is the point that was made last week. I think that the two individuals that I've just remarked about, both both are quite capable financially, legally, and also verbally. They're both quite capable of defending themselves or attacking um, I was just wondering, you know, with the ease of um, being, edit, being able to edit video, you, you're going to get um, people that are not so capable of defending themselves or taking something like this, which I, I think I've got to take into account. Because my, my basic position is that, you know, if you go on to, was my position, was that when you went on to a kind of social media platform like this, um, you have got the ability not to be on it. So I don't take it quite as seriously as being at work. You know, you've got to feed yourself, blah, blah, blah. But in a way, maybe um, I'm starting to change my opinion a little bit. I don't know. What do you reckon, Spencer? Well, the problem I see is that the, the article itself was about their financial future. But as far as the technology and whether people use it point, is that I'm pretty enamored with the new editing tools. You've seen this in Hollywood where if they can take a digital scan of somebody, they can now fully animate somebody that it's really into that, I can't tell if it's a human being, right? And it uh, disturbs that, that and Your favorite dead actor can now star in... Right, you've seen that in Star Wars, right? Like, you know, Peter Cushing or somebody comes back and, you know... So if you take that technology, which will now go from whatever, very expensive to mainstream... And now anybody can create fake stuff. I think you've got a probable, you know, boy who cried wolf scenario that will lead to the downfall of whatever's left of a Facebook audience. Because the way the mechanics work in my mind is no kids coming in to fill the space below. All the older people becoming completely saturated with why am I even here? The only motive left is to advertise my business to a prospective audience because that's where they make their money is from... I have a company, I want to reach an audience in a Facebook group. But as soon as people reach that point, which is tipping, and I feel it's very imminent of, I can't even bother to come here anymore. It's such a cesspool of garbage, and I can't tell who's real, who's not. MySpace happens. Ta-da, everybody evacuates to something else. And I don't know what the new technology is, but maybe it's something that, you know, has a validation process in. For example, any videos posted here that are of a political nature have to have a transcript or maybe a secondary camera to show real human beings interacting so that you know it's not just animate. Whatever it may be, I see the financial support not being there for this to continue as it is. And whatever else the shenanigans are, it's sort of the, the storm before the calm of like everybody just one day says, I can't be bothered. I'd rather go here instead. And I don't know what the here is, but it sounds like a great opportunity for another entrepreneur to come in and really evolve. And a comparable would be because I love electric vehicles. You know, whatever you love or hate about Elon Musk, electric cars have really 
turned over the, the automotive industry. They've all said we're going to electric cars because we realize the end is nigh. So I see it's that it, because of- my PG Nebo wasn't high enough, and and uh, you know there's not going to be. Right more fossil fuels burned to produce the electricity to charge the cars. What, wherever you get the electricity from, you could get it from whatever, you know, the sun or wind. The point I'm saying is that the business model that they think they're going to still use whatever fossil fuel cars, they just cried uncle because they realized that and from a Facebook model, if they don't have kids coming in and the people paying advertising realize, I don't want to put any more money into the cesspool. Whoever's left can fight it out to you know, Mad Max style till the end. But everybody who wants to invest advertising dollars is going to go somewhere that they realize that they can get to their audience without having to expose their brand to this kind of shenanigans. Because that's, I think, how I feel as both a, a provider of solutions and a person who advertises on Facebook. It's like, I only use it for the groups right now. Everything else is just... Horrible. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I don't totally agree with you, Spence, but I, I do see where you're coming from because I've got the same reaction. Is that I find the actual personal stream is getting a. Is, I think it's deteriorated um, um, over the past um, twelve months and become very quite quite toxic um, in tone to degree that wasn't present. It's but I I, I think obviously. There's two reasons why the two main areas why I don't agree with you totally is that the young people have just gone to Instagram, which is um, owned by Facebook, and the figures show that Spencer that. that but but that solves the problem because Instagram isn't burdened by this issue because Instagram yeah. is a different publishing format. Yeah. So um, the other way, I I I I think that Facebook, um, one way they could deal with this is they they could get community moderators um they could have a, a, mo- a much Jonathan more- they, they don't want that though and, oh, and, the same, and the same thing with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube it's a 90-day ban on the, the channel that you mentioned uh Chris they don't want it because they run on engagement they sell data to the highest bidder so yeah, right. regardless of what people are posting if it's you know, death threats, hate speech, they really are not going to do anything because they haven't done anything. They're not going to do anything. So, yeah, I, I do believe in what Spencer said. Now is a great time. If there is like an alternate um, social network that actually had moderation and didn't have the cesspool that you're seeing on Facebook and Twitter, I think it, the time is ripe for, for something like that to where it just eliminates all the, you know, the garbage that people don't want to see. Yes. It's going to have to have a different business model, though. But do they don't want yes. to see it? But Would you pay for a social network? Because that's what it comes down to. Would you pay for a social network if they moderated all the garbage and, you know, didn't have, you know, fake users and things like that? I don't know. I don't use Facebook for free. So, um, you know, it would it would really have to offer me something that I, I wasn't going to get uh, elsewhere. And it's one of those things where, well, I'd probably pay for it for business purposes if, if that was yeah. uh, needed. I, I pay for collaboration tools. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I don't have faith in Silicon Valley. They're like hand in hand with, you know, some of the worst elements. As long as the money's green, they don't care. So that's just what I see. 
There we go. All right. I've just mesmerised by the cats, folks. Yeah. If you're not, if you're only listening to this, you're gonna have to watch it. Uh, um, have you got animals that that well trained, Chris? No, not at no, all. No, My dogs no. are kind of wild. All right, there you go. They, they're all right. Yeah, we're not gonna go there. Uh, um, I think we're going to go for our break, folks. But before we go to our break, I want to talk about one of my sponsors, and that's WP Fusion. Um, One of our panellists, Adam from WP Crafter, has recently done a fantastic video of um, explaining WP Fusion. And um, I suggest that you should go to WP Crafter and watch that because... um, WP Fusion, I feel, is one of the more the, one of the most amazing plugins that I've come across in over eighteen months. But the only unfortunate part of it is it's not the most easiest thing to explain exactly what it does. But what it re- what the core of it is, it enables whatever almost all the most popular CRM systems that you might be using or your client might be using. It gives the power of that particular CRM and integrates it with your own or your client's um, WordPress website in a way that is just amazing. And it enables all the tagging and scripting and all the information that you might want to gather about people visiting your site. And it then combines it with the CRM into some and enables you to do some amazing things. I had I a nice chat with their founder last week because I, I wanted to ask about a client CRM, and uh, they, he actually was uh, um, staffing the chat uh, himself and had and had just been watching our podcast. There we go, and um, I just think it's amazing, and I was so chuffed that he agreed to become a, a sponsor of the show. The other factor is um, he's given us an exclusive offer, which you will only find on WP Tonic. And that, and it is a really generous um, discount, is that if you go to WP Fusion site and you choose to buy one of the packages, when you go to the checkout and you put the coupon code WP Tonic, all one word, uppercase, you will get 25% off. That's not bad, folks, is it? Uh, um, so I suggest that you go over to WP Fusion, have a look around the website, learn about its amazing functionality and power, and buy it. So we're going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. Uh, um, the cats have appeared. The panel hasn't dozed off. Um, they look still semi-interested. So uh, um, on to the next story. Why... Why learning WordPress development is hard. Uh, I'm going to let Sally start off this one. What do you reckon, Sally, about this one? 
Uh, well, you know, it's a. It, it, at first, uh, I didn't read the whole uh, article because I, I, I stopped at their first absolutely enormous call to action for the up and running course, which is something they uh, produce. And, uh, you know, I thought, oh, well, that's the end of the post, right? No, it's actually the post goes on for at least as much further afterwards and, and then concludes with another uh, giant call to action. And I have bought the up, up and running course. There's nothing wrong with it, but I, I think those CTAs might be a little too big. Uh, however, uh, apart from that, it is a really thorough explanation uh, of the number of different things that you have to learn uh, to do development for WordPress, uh, the things you have to learn about WordPress, the things you, uh, uh, you know, the things that are not necessarily uh, clearly explained, um, the, the things that kind of go with uh, trying to learn this stuff in the middle of, of actually, you know, attempting to make money. Uh, so, uh, it's a good article and 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 worth reading, and it it really takes me back to some of my uh, students at Media Bistro saying, you know, how long does it take to get good at WordPress? <laughs> and and you know, my first thought was, am I good at WordPress? But uh, you know, it is uh, uh, there is no end basically. To, I mean, and this is true in, in any tech field. There is always going to be something else that you have to learn, uh, and that takes a lot of effort. So, um, Spencer, as an educator um, that spent many years in this field, um, what was your thoughts of the article and any other observations you would like to add? Article was accurate. Sally's point uh, is correct. I mean, it's sort of like you read and you realize the title was okay, but I start with who cares? Why does anybody need to be a WordPress developer? And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it, but we now have a world where the robots have made it possible for anybody who wants to, to execute with WordPress without development. So people who are developers, and Chris is in that category, Jack Arturo, and true developers are developers. People who use WordPress are now in a different place. And Again, we've talked about this the other show, and you know personally, one of my previous businesses was the transitional period, the frontier people going from the East Coast to the West Coast and selling and pickaxes and shovels along the way. And, you know, anybody who was a businessman in New York is now building log cabins in California. Those days are over. So pick which are you. Are you a WordPress user and a business person, or are you a WordPress developer? Because the business model to survive as a developer has nothing at all to do with using WordPress to, to do business unless you're you know, using it. So I'm saying the article is accurate, but sort of like who cares what's the point unless you really look closely and say, I do want to be somebody who makes plugins or I do want to create a platform or a SaaS service for WordPress. Otherwise, don't waste any time. And here's why. I'm self-taught and I've been doing WordPress since 2005 and some PHP before that, but I was not a coder in my younger years and I learned everything along the way and I'm good enough to make, you know, people believe I know something, which I really don't, but I would never assume to be somebody like Jack or Chris or anybody else that I could literally sit down on a blank screen without really referencing everything. I want to make a point though, as an no attorney, one does. No right, one as an attorney ever and other, does. 
We fake it in other development, in other places. Like as an attorney, I mean, I've been an attorney since 91, a trial attorney. I, I would never not just sit down and look at all these references. So yeah, you have to go back and you know how to think that way. But the point remains very strongly. Now, everybody who tells me they want to learn how to do WordPress stuff, I say, learn how to think like a Lego block assembler or an Ikea furniture buyer. Just go get this piece, snap it with this piece. But the most important thing to understand is not be a golden retriever who's, oh my God, there's 52,000 plugins and I'm going to snap them all together. Focus with where you're going, work backwards from what you want and assemble the fewest number of parts possible and don't get all, you know, like dizzy eyed about what you see in front of you. Just focus on that. If you're a developer, great. You know. I, I just need to correct you one thing is that Chris, I don't think Chris would, Chris is the business brains of Lifter Elliot. Well, uh, Thomas has got a good business brain as well, but Thomas is in a basement coding 24 hours a day and Chris sees the daylight occasionally. Poor Thomas does not. Yes, I have a feeling that the reason they didn't address the why should we care and do you need to be a developer is, is that their audience is mostly developers. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they, they know that because, yeah, that, you know, part of the point of using WordPress is, is that you shouldn't have to be a developer just to, you know, use your website, put content on it. You're really interested in, in improving your WordPress skills. I don't think you go to WP Shout that often. Probably. But if you're in into that it's a great resource isn't it sally yeah they 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 put out some good stuff there there's no question of it normally you know some of it yeah i think we talked about um uh, one of their articles a few months ago i forgot it was it was very very detailed oh it was that um um Code of conduct. Yeah, they code had of conduct. I do actually think that was one of their greater articles, but it was very in depth. But what do you reckon, John? Me, I'm just a basic B developer. If you feel what I'm saying, a very, a very good one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I didn't start learning WordPress until 2011. I mean, I'm good enough. Now, WordPress is, I don't know where, why, uh, I like... I disagree, John. You're a very good developer. In, in popular... In the communication popular skills are excellent as well, <laughs> so which is rare. There you go. In the development space, now, WordPress is never going to be the new hotness, like Erlang or Hadoop or Rust or Django or any of these other things. And so it gets a, a lot of derision from other developers. Oh, yeah. There, there are people who diss WordPress basically, yeah. you know, simply because it's not using anything trendy. I mean, there, there are all kinds of issues you can complain about regarding the code. But, you know, the, right. the fact that it isn't written in the, in the flavor of the month language it seems like a, a pretty stupid objection. Oh, absolutely. And I, uh, a few years ago, I was doing work with a, a shop. They were doing like IBM development or whatever. And they had a consultant come in and they said, oh, you, you do the WordPress. So is that where you just push a button and stuff comes out? <laughs> you know, kind of like attitude like that. This is what people think. And it, there's a lot of tools in which you can do that. You know, there, there's lots of page building tools to where you don't need to really know development. But like Spencer was saying, if, if you want to build the tools like Chris and his team are doing, uh, or, or like Jonathan is doing with MailRite, if you want to build tools, 
then there's a lot you need to know, like PHP, JavaScript, oh, there's CSS, even, you know, there's, MySQL. Now you need to know React, you know. So there's a lot to it. But there's even consequences. We're actually doing a job for a client now who, uh, I'm not going to go in because too yeah. much detail, but hired not real developers, but kind of builder types. And we've all been there. That's how we, you know, most of us have started our career. Um, that's the type of individual that joined Spencer's excellent training, actually. and. Um, you had a really knack for explaining complicated things, Spencer. I give you, you know, a really fantastic educator. Because um, some, you know, you you, made, you kept it fun, which like Walton does as well. It's a knack. Um, but we took over this site, and it was it was, it was almost two thirds finished. But the third was never going to finish because um, I refused. I had a long conversation. And to give the client his due, he must have had confidence. It was going to be a death march. You know, whoever knocked this up had done what Spencer took in this bit, that bit, that bit. And it was a Frankenstein. You know, it was a, it was never going to work properly. And the, the real key bits were never going to work. So I said, we, you know, I don't want to take this on. And I gave him his money back. And then, but he's hired us to do the freaking job properly. So there are consequences in trying to do all this, like what you just said, Spence. You've got to know the right bits. And you know, but that's different from having to, to learn to be a developer. I mean, you have to learn. And I, you know, I've made this point a lot. When something says without knowing code, it does not mean without knowing anything. You know, you don't have to know code to be a lawyer, but you've got to put in a lot of time uh, 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 studying and, and learning what to do and, and practicing. You know, you don't need to, to, to know code to use Photoshop, but that's a, you know, a hella complex piece of software. So, yeah, you need to learn some things to become a competent uh, user. Uh, but you know, that is very different from saying, oh, well, you just always have to, you know, write code in order to make anything happen. And it is great that we have plugins and some of them are going to work better than others. And some of them don't play nicely together. And those are pitfalls. It's good to have an expert, you know. Well, it's complicated, isn't it, Sally? It is complicated when you get to a certain degree, is it? It's just... Well, yes. I mean, it's dead easy if you want to set up a WordPress.com blog and, and blog. But if you start saying, oh, but I want to have courses and I want to have this and I want to have it. And you're maybe haven't thought out anything about, well, how do I design the courses and market the courses? And do I know that there will be students to sign up for the courses? You're going to get in trouble even if you do know the technology really well. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was my point. My point is, at, I appreciate the compliment, but Jonathan knew me at a time when I like to think that we're in a position of being like a Rosetta Stone between the newest technology and the users who need to use it. And I don't mean me and my business, but that's where we're always positioned. And I find my best value proposition that's easy to sell is I can help translate what these things are in a practical sense, why you need them and what they're going to do for you in your bottom line. And the difference from a couple of years ago to today, your point is well taken, is even as we sit here today, because now I focus on marketing automation, right? And it includes 
LMS, but it includes membership and all the other things controlled by WP Fusion in a site. The number one thing that we tell people is you need professional expertise from somebody who knows the end result you're trying to achieve with marketing automation because simply grabbing a bunch of random things and sticking them together does not a business make, nor will it make you sell more stuff because I have a kitchen full of all kinds of utensils and my kids, I like to teach them to cook, but they can't just walk in randomly and grab sharp knives and blenders and make dinner. They still have to understand and be taught to cook. That's different from learning how to manufacture a microwave oven or manufacturing a blender. I'm making the point, and you are all, I think, agreeing, that there was a time when making the tools was some profit center for people like us that were tinkerers. Now that should be left to the manufacturer developers, which he's saying. The rest of us make a living by teaching businesses, whether it's membership-based or e-commerce-based, whatever, how to make money with your business online. But now we take the ready-made components, snap them together in an adequate, proper way, put our own expertise or our own opinions, our own ability to translate into a way that now what we're selling is much easier. And although John was a good sport about it, I think he would say the same thing about SEO. You know, SEO had its arc, and I know it's still important, but last time when we talked, I said, like, SEO is becoming not maybe as important as marketing automation for some things because the crowded space. But there will be new tools that come along for perhaps doing what SEO did in the past because Google's evolving. Either way, we stand in the WordPress space to help the business users. And then there's this entire group of other people, rightly so. PHP and the whole stack have to be up to date on what to use to make the machinery and the tools. And, you know, it's never going to stop. It's just going to keep evolving. So that's where I like to float. I like to float at the transitional point between what are the new toys and how the businesses need to know what to do with them because they don't want to take the time to learn it. They need somebody who understands why I need to use marketing automation today instead of just an email list or whatever it may be. So Spencer Foreman. Liminal man. <laughs> so, Chris, what's your reaction? Not so much the article, so I think we've covered that, but what we the discussion we've been having? I think the big thing people need to come to terms with is there is a difference between a developer, a designer, and a business consultant. And really what most yeah. business owners need when they're you know approaching the WordPress website, which is just a pickaxe or a tool, that's not going to solve it. They're going to need all three things working together. And back to the article, to become a truly great developer, not a designer, not a business consultant, it's a long road. I've been working with my business partner, Thomas, for about eight years. He was great when I first came across him. He's incredible now. Jack Arturo from WP Fusion is one of those incredible developers. Um, and they're rare. They're very rare. And they're very, uh, you're lucky when you come into contact with them, either through a product or through a service. But, and if you want to become that type of developer, that, that skill set can happen, but it's going to be a long road. And it's definitely, um, you know, in the beginning, if you're just kind of coming online, you have to ultimately figure out, are you really a developer? Are you a designer? Are you a WordPress implementer who just plugs stuff together? It's, they're all very different. I realized early on in my days uh, as a freelancer is I'm just a WordPress implementer. And then later, you know, I found great developers and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'm much better suited to help like consult the business owner or consult a market on demand and build a product around that. So I think the future of it all is actually through partnerships. 
and, you know, getting great teams together who are, have the business consulting skills, have the development skills, have the design skills to deliver a solution to a particular market. That's, that's right. the name. Which, which, I'll ta- which takes us to the LinkedIn article uh, by Mr. Binns about how, yeah, the agency of the future needs to have the design component, the engineering component, the, you know, business consulting component, you know, integrated. Uh, and uh, then, uh, you know, which took me back to uh, his previous article about uh, uh, the future of web design, um, which you know, uh, I, know, um, I noticed gives me a, a, a not secure warning. Um, and we may not have time to discuss that because I, I see it's uh, almost 930. Uh, but yeah. it is... Uh, uh, it, it, it does tie together. Uh, we might want to uh, put that article in the um, show notes uh, so people can follow up with it. So, like you say, you know, it was a long one last last week. We had quite a long one. I, I, I want to keep this to the hour. Uh, um, I don't want it to be a 70, 80-minute marathon. But I'm not object to it when we are really got some great discussion going on. I'm not saying the discussion we had this week. I think it's been great. So we've got two stories. I'm gonna we've got the word sash. Um what what clients really want. I think we Chris has touched that a little bit. Um I just want to plug word sash. Um I didn't have time to watch because it was tw- July the twenty fifth, wasn't it? Well, and it, it started at at you know um, O Dark Hundred for for us in on the West Coast. Uh, I caught uh, like the tail end of of Carrie Dill's presentation, but I had registered for it, so eventually there will be uh, videos. But uh, yeah. yeah, these are these are very comprehensive uh, notes from from this talk about um, you know the important parts of of uh, uh, the creative uh, process uh, and. Um, we have to get Kerry on the show. Actually, I've always got a, a warm spot for Kerry. Last time I interviewed, oh, Kerry is terrific. Yes. Last time I interviewed her, she was in, I interviewed her from a car in a bunker somewhere in Dallas. So there. Oh yeah, she was in a she was in a parking garage or something. I remember listening bunker, to that episode. Her bunker, her own personal. I'm amazed she, she had any Wi-Fi underground like that. Well, she's going to survive, isn't she? You know, if the Holocaust that's coming. So we've got that, and then um, the last thing is we've got this Amazon facial recognition. Um, Congress members and what's that mugshots? Um, well, you're yeah. Let's ditch that. It was a bit boring, wasn't it? So uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna wrap it up there. Uh, um, so Spencer, how can people get hold of you and find out more about you? Uh, you can find us at uh, wplaunchify.com or help at wplaunchify.com. And Chris, how can people find out about you? You can find me at liftlms.com. We have uh, some co- free courses on there, which, by the way, uh, sync our users to Active Campaign through WP Fusion, which is a great tool. And uh, you can find me on our podcast called LMS Cast. And John, how can people find out about you and what you're up to? You can go ahead and check me out at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. You can also check and you out- should check it out. It's gorgeous. Oh, thank you, Sally. Oh, I appreciate that. And you can also find me on my YouTube channel. Just, you know, go to YouTube and type Lockdown SEO. You'll find it. There you That's go. Right. And Sally, how can people find out more about you and your cats? 
Uh, if you want to find out about the cats, uh, they're have they got their own YouTube channel? I, I follow. Oh, they should. They, they should do. No, I, what I need are, are like glasses with video in them because, of course, the thing with cats is by the time you get something to take a I picture, they, this they huge, I do follow the. the um, I've got his name. The, um, he's a celebrity Datsun. He's got two million followers on YouTube. I do follow him on YouTube. Yes, no, I, I'm sure BC would be a, a, a terrific YouTube star because this is the cat that is so into being brushed or petted that she'll just fall right off the edge of the bed. I'm always fascinated when he, when she joins us. There we go. Uh, yes, so, yes, no, this is this is my, like, you know, backup. Uh, uh, I interrupted. Backup, backup uh, income plan is to, you know, have a 1-900 number so people can call my cat. Uh, but you can find me at wpfangirl.com. Uh, you can find my personal website, which is possibly even more neglected than my business blog at uh, sallygetch.com. And you can find uh, the East Bay WordPress meetup at eastbaywb.com. And how do we find you, Jonathan? Uh, you could go to the WP Tonic website. We've got some fantastic posts. If you're into membership learning management systems and you want to learn more, I suggest you come to the WP Tonic website because we've got a whole library of posts. We've been knocking them out quite extensively recently. And we've got another um, great post about Lifter LMS um, on our website. And we're going to be having another great post coming out um, this weekend. Um, I'm finishing it off as we speak. It's a secret, but I'll be talking about it next week. We'll see you next week, folks, when we're going to have another great panel and another great session of um, discussion stories about WordPress, the internet, marketing, or anything else around technology that I feel is interesting and we can have a great discussion. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.